Well, good day to you. I was going to say morning, night, or anyway. Hi. Thanks for tuning in. To yeah, welcome to the times Twist. of the day. Ah, ah. Thanks for tuning in to Twisted Tales. I'm Faith, I'm and Lisa. my awful co-host over there, Lisa, can't be replaced because you people don't send in resumes. But we're glad you're here. You're gonna have to let it go, Faith. It's just us. I know. Nobody else wants to put up with me. Nope. Um, guys, nobody wants to teach you how to read. So, <laughs> <Our> pronouncing. <laughs> Lord. Okay. Well. Um, I've got a pretty long episode for you tonight, so we're not gonna, we're not gonna... Icebreaker's kind of non-existent. Yeah, we're not gonna banter. You don't want to listen to us talk more than you have to. Um, but I am, I posted, if you go to our socials, um, at Instagram or Facebook, I posted a meme a while back. And it is, uh, I don't know, a guy with a very glorious mustache. And it says, when the true crime documentary warns... Viewers might find the fallen theme distressing. And his response is, I know what I'm about, son. And a lot of people commented on that, that they didn't like it when podcasters or even, you know, documentaries did that. You're, you're coming for true crime, right? That's why we're all here. Yep. So, you know, it's going to, it's why we don't do a lot of trigger warnings often because you know it's about rape, robbery, murder, mayhem. You know what we're about. You didn't come in here to listen to the warm and fuzzy. So, we're going to test that theory on um, if you actually mean that today. And as opposed to usual, I am going to give you some trigger warnings. Um, this episode's awful. I'm going to go into detail um, as literally as much as I think necessary, and, and you'll understand when we get to the point. I will warn you when we get to the point. This does involve minors, and it involves sexual assault, and just general awfulness um so, so there's your trigger warning your trigger warning is for me then no you don't you don't get you a trigger know, warning you know how i feel you know how i, I feel i do but here's the deal about and you the, know neither thing. now here's the deal neither lisa or i like talking about any kind of Psychological, physical, mental, or sexual abuse towards a child. Correct. We both strongly and firmly hold to the fact that there's a special place in hell for the people that um, do that to children. Yep. But here's also the deal. I am a very strong believer in what is kept in the dark is allowed to grow and prosper in the dark. And as long as evil is not looked in the face, it'll continue to be a faceless, just nameless thing that continues to grow and fester in our world. I agree. I think Sound of Freedom did a really good job of calling out that evil. I still haven't seen that. I haven't either. I want to. But I have a child. I can't can't praise it yet because I've not seen it yet. Yeah, Both of my brothers. Apparently my other brother, I told you the one brother saw it. The other brother went and saw it and said like, he, he couldn't even describe. But they did a really good job of calling it out. And I'm gonna I'm gonna get on a soapbox real quick, um, because that's my that's my stitch, right? So you guys know, <laughs> I love a good conspiracy theory. Absolutely. I will crawl down to the deepest recesses of those rabbit holes, my friends. Oh yeah, I'll do. You want to talk about it. lizard people? I'm there. Want to talk about aliens? Also there. Whatever conspiracy theory you got, I'm into. And I'm gonna sit there and listen to everything we, there is. And we absolutely will more than likely laugh behind your back at some of them. But it's not in a negative way. 
no, but on the other hand, some of them, I'm like, that's a great point. I was right? just going to say, like, some of them are like, oh, well, yeah, that's, that happened. Here's one thing I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to throw some shade at, at a conspiracy theory. Okay. And I've, I've thrown shade to you two before. When the election was going on prior to the election, QAnon was huge, oh, right? Huge. And I got sucked into all Oh, jeez. So crap. many documentaries, so oh, many yeah. podcasts. So here's the deal. And there's a lot of a lot of things Q and I talked about that I agreed with. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people said 100% hoax, yada yada. The and there are some things that I legitimately I, I giggled about. Yeah, there always is going to be. And I'm be. like, really, guys? Well, because the on. deal is, is conspiracy theories are not the same. But uh, let's go with this conspiracy. Let's go with this this uh, this you know example of religion. You got a group of people that believe the same thing, but you always got that one wing nut that takes it too far and, and makes the whole religion look bad, right? Yeah, like those those people that go to the the marriages and funerals of other people, and they're like, "You're gonna burn it." Yeah, yeah. So you've got the people that show up, and you know, the the Christians that show up, or yeah. the quote unquote Christians that show up at everything to talk about how God look, hates you yeah, if you're almost um, whatever. Yeah, when when God is, he might not like what decisions you make, but he loves everybody. Right, and then everyone gets lumped into the category yep. of because you're a believer, you're, you're a bigot. A, yeah, you're crazy. And yes, yeah. and then you got you've got Muslims. We know what oh they're God. they're yeah. you know so they every all run, they all run planes into so, towers. But conspiracy yeah. theories are the same way. You got a core group of people who believe something, and then you got the one or two wing nuts that drag out everything. But here's my deal on QAnon. This is my issue with QAnon, and I'll state it loudly to any Q person because you know what? They had a lot of good theories. And Sound of Freedom brought in a lot of things that was big in QAnon, like the adrenochrome sitch yep. and the child sex slavery. Right. That everybody was saying it's a bunch of crazy conspiracy theories. Now you got people who are saying, no, no, this has been my life. Like, I rescue these. So you got all this, right? Right. And they're trying to debunk him now, saying he's one of the QAnon crazies, but whatever. Here's my problem with QAnon. I listened to the propaganda. I bought into a lot of propaganda. I'm I'm not going to lie to you. I did. As soon as the election was over, and as soon as, no, it it stayed around for a while, but when we all realized that we were stuck with Joe Biden, no one gave two single craps about the child sex trafficking anymore that QAnon shouted from the rooftops we needed to put an end to. It was, that, that child sex Slavery and child sexual abuse is not something to hang your hat on, to push your agenda forward, and when your agenda's done, you let it drop. Yeah. Well, it's, it's not and, a gimmick. It's not a buy one get one half off sell and promo. When they, call, when they talk about child like child sex trafficking, they call it sex trafficking for a reason. It's not, and it's not just kids. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, we God way but, way 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 before any of this went down. What I don't even remember what year it was. Yeah. But your your dad. The pastor of the church had mm-hmm. Christine Kane come, yeah, and th- basically begging for people's help. Like we yeah. need help, financial help. We need because she does a it's a one ministries A1, right a twenty one a twenty one, and they they help after people are are set free from sex sex trafficking. They help rehabilitate them, get them counselors, get them strength, get yeah. them housing, clothing. And it was this huge deal, like you said, yeah. in in the last election, and then it just now all of a sudden it's it's rearing its ugly head again. But that's my problem. That's why I and say I call guess out. Guess what, guys? It's an it's, election. It's year. never gone away. Yeah. No, it doesn't go away. It's never gone away. But we only pull it out when we want someone to sing and dance like a little trained monkey to entertain the masses and get them to pay attention to us. Then we put it back on the shelf. Yep. 
and it's bigger than that. Yeah, and like I, I just said, like, it's it's another election year. We're heading up on 2024. Yeah. Now all this thing is, all this crap's coming back to life. Yeah, but it's not like, in my mind, as long as you keep only pulling it out and shining the light on it when you want, you know, when you want people to look at you and then put it right back on the shelf, you're part of the problem. Absolutely. You might not be buying and selling flesh of humans, but you're contributing to the problem because you're just using it to help yourself. I was just going to say, which, your ignorance is causing no, harm. You're, you're not making a financial gain on it, but you're making a personal gain off their suffering. And you're not doing anything to stop it unless it suits your needs. So, yeah. which, you know what, you can say that we're doing that too because we do a podcast, but guess what? <laughs> we haven't made a single dime off this and we've spent money, so. <laughs> Absolutely. But anyway. And just, you know, just to make everyone feel bad, I do donate when I have money. To the A21. Yeah. yeah. So, I say all that to say, this episode does deal with children. We don't like talking with ch- about children, but I will always talk about a child's case now and then because I'm not going to let these monsters just continue to work in the dark with absolutely no light shine on them. I've got a kid, and even if I didn't, I'd still be as passionate about it. So. Well, just like a few weeks ago, I did that one case with that guy super recently. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't like talking about it. I don't want to talk about it. No. It grosses me out. It, it, it infuriates me. Yeah. It infuriates but me. But you know what? If you guys have to listen to it and it makes you uncomfortable and it makes you mad and it makes you disgusted, freaking do something. And not just because it brings light to the other agenda you want light shut on. Yeah. Write to your congresspeople, write to your senators, and continue to pound down the doors that we need stronger rules in place for children and stronger violations for predators just like what florida just now yep florida just changed theirs to the death penalty if you're caught raping a child louisiana has always done it love me some louisiana yeah but you know what a lot of people slap on the wrist and you move forward and you know what what, the age of consent will go down past my dead body i will scream it to the rooftops and chain myself to any tree i need to no no this is not not a right wing left wing no this is a protect your freaking kid issue yeah this is a human rights Violation. This is a care more about kids than you do about the freaking manatees that are becoming extinct. Yeah. Because so is kids' hopes and dreams and their childhood. So why don't we give a damn about that instead of the animals? Sorry. Off okay. The so here's here's my first problem. Faith said, "Damn." I did. And um, I get yelled at a lot for cursing because I don't. Know how you to say really myself. bad words. Yes, I do. Uh, I, I also I also get yelled at for these things. Thus, you meaning I, I feel like Faith's already triggered. I'm I'm very <laughs> so I'm um I'm gonna I'm gonna sit back idly maybe a little bit during this episode. Uh, I'm I'm gonna kind of watch her facial expressions and wonder if um if I I'm, I might survive. Yeah, t- tonight. you will. You will. Okay. I just get really triggered that we as a as a as a human race right. care more about animals than we yeah. do about kids. Yeah, we do. Or just people in general. But you know, hey, I said I'm off my soapbox. I'm off my soapbox. So, now that we've gone on and I've rambled for 30 minutes, let's get into tonight's episode. Ah, crap. 30 minutes already? No, it's been like 10, but I was exaggerating. I like to do that. All right. All right. You had to tell time, too, then. Yep. Nope. Not going to do it. You ready? You're not ready. All right. No, I really like to just keep Let's all take a deep breath, and I will warn you when it gets bad. We got a little bit of some digging before we get there. All right. Herbert James Coddington. Was born in 1957. Lisa just looked up to the heavens, so she knows this man. Um, he grew up in a small town of New- in New York, and um, his family was reported to be pretty close. 
mom and dad married happily. He had siblings, whole American dream, white picket fence type of sitch, right? His father worked as an electrical engineer at General Electric, providing for his family. His mom worked part-time as a dental hygiene assistant and then was there to raise her kids. Both parents super active in their kids' lives and in the community. His father was a member of the school board, and um, his mom was an active volunteer-slash-participant at the local church she went to. So, I mean, literally, altogether, very well-rounded family. Like, there's no skeletons, no beatings, good, good family we're like, talking literally, about. Like, literally, yeah. Just yeah, looks like a great, great family. Yeah. The biggest point of contention in this family literally was the mother forcing her children to attend Catholic church with her every Sunday that she volunteered at. It wasn't the kid's favorite pastime. Herbert, or he went by Herb. Herb really didn't like it, and he was especially pissed off because his father never had to go to church. His father was a Protestant. His wife respected that and didn't make him go. So he was House divided. Yeah, but besides that, like, there were no issues. Like, that was the biggest issue this family had, right? All right. So, as a child, um, Herb started showing some pretty strong traits early on of an obsessive-compulsive type disorder. It's reported that he, like, one of the examples given is he would legitimately follow his parents around the house, like, religiously at any time they left the room he'd turn off the lights like lights could not be left on and he over and over and they said anytime that if there was something he liked like whether it was a theory or a toy like he would obsess over this thing and he would turn it inside out if it was a toy he had to figure out the insides the outsides how to put it back together what made it work like he had to understand every single little thing about whatever he he was interested in and everyone had to know everything about it. I honestly, in my head, I'm thinking Sheldon. Okay. Like, yeah. he had to know everything. And it was, there was no rhyme or reason for what struck his fancy, but literally, he would see something, liked it, and he had to be an expert on it and would not sleep until he knew everything. Interesting. Just kind of. So, but besides that, I mean, he was just kind of a normal, eh, eh, he was a kid. So, in third grade, little Herb started carrying a briefcase to school. And it contained an assortment of creepy crawly toys, which he had made, and he'd sell to other kids. Now, I did not know what a creepy crawly toy was. I'm thinking, like, insects. It is. Okay. And when I describe it, you'll note it is actually saved a picture, and I'll post it to our socials. But it's that toy, and we had it back when we were little, and I, I, I don't remember, it was called, like, a factory or something like that, but basically it was, like, a plate of bugs and worm cutouts and you'd put like this gelatinous stuff in there and it would make a mold of these little uh, creepy okay. crawlies yeah, yeah. right so he packed up his he'd make all his little creepy crawlies pack up his briefcase bring it and sell it to his classmates smart kid. Third grade yeah and honestly he excelled in school he was extremely intelligent like tested and had a reported iq of 140 which is indicative of nearly our genius level and just for comparison's sake, Elon Musk's IQ is estimated at 155. Albert Einstein's was at 160. This, okay. this kid had 140. Yeah, so he was real stupid. So very smart. Yeah. But, unfortunately, he was not super athletic, nor did he like anything outside at all. Like, he wasn't a big outdoor person, which, you know, same. But, so. I mean, realistically, most people with a really high IQ... 
no, are not. normally like socially inept. Yeah. And not not so coordinated, right? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to sound like mean, right? Yeah, but it's like true. you know, you always say like, oh, people have book smarts and they have street smarts, yeah. right? Yeah. I've always fallen into the like, the street smarts. Yeah. Well, the, he he took it to a bit extreme. Like in fourth grade, when all the kids were out at recess playing, he didn't find kids to play with. He literally would spend his recess playing chess with the teachers. Okay. And he got along with the teachers better than he did the students, but so he was so much thing, smarter. I was just going to say, like, so that that's what stimulated him. Yes. Was giving his brain a challenge. Yes. So, you know, nice. he, was, he was closer with the teachers, didn't really win them any popularity contests, but honestly, wasn't a big deal. So he did, while well, he was a little socially inept, he had a lot going from him, and honestly, he was pretty well liked. Like, no one really had a problem with him. Um, all the teachers said he was very nice, he was very respectful, but he had this little thing. And they, uh, it's hard to explain. Like, I know exactly how to explain it, but I'm not a doctor. When they're in class, like, he would just start yelling. Like, just, he would try like, to be answering and just be, ah! like, like, Tourette's kind of? No. Like, he just couldn't contain himself. Okay. Like, he knew the answer. He so had to say the answer. Just really impulsive. Yeah, impulsive. He'd yell, like, they said, yell, like, yell, yell. And then if another student was trying to answer the question, he'd literally just yell over him. Like, okay. he had to do it. He had to know it. He knew it. Me, me, me. But the teachers pretty much as a whole let it slide and didn't get him in trouble because they said he wasn't violent. He wasn't angry. It was almost like he couldn't contain himself. Like, I mean, his, his arms are kind of going, and he had to. He just has to get it out. Get it out. So as he got into high school, um, he, he, got, he found a new obsession. And that was health. Everything to do with health. And if it was not healthy, or what he deemed healthy, he was venomously opposed. No junk food, no alcohol, no, you had to exercise. And out of everything health-wise, Herb hated smoking. Oh, so Herb would really not like me very much. Most people don't, but no, Herb would not like me. <laughs> Did that catch you off guard like I wasn't going to take that opportunity? Oh, great. <laughs> um, uh, but he he was obsessed. So this it's 1971 at this point. Kid's in ninth grade. Okay. And he is, like, today I would describe him as, like, a roots and berry type person. Like, you know, everything's got to be organic and natural and the juicer and the, the – Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, But he literally would go around high school, like, giving lectures on – Health-related items that he thought everybody had to know about, and these people didn't care. Like these kids, they're, they're freshmen. High dude. Go away. Yeah. But besides that, his little health tirades. Um, honestly, he had a pretty good high school. He had a friend, Joanna Gardner. They'd been friends since fourth grade. In ninth grade, they decided to give it a go. They start dating. A few weeks into the relationship, it was pretty evident that Herb wanted way more out of this deal than Joanne did. So she dumped him. And yeah. he was super, like, he was fine with it. They remained friends. There was no anger, animosity. He did nothing. Like, they just went back to being best friends. Like, no bigs. So, he's he's got this, like, weird, like, he's got these weird tics. Obsessive-compulsive, the loud, the outburst, the super obsessive-compulsive. He's incredibly intelligent, but he seems to be able to, like, get along with people, too. Like, he's kind of finding his way some. Yeah. After the breakup, um... With, with Joanne, Herb 
decided that he was going to get into religion. And he went into the Mormon church, but lost interest very quickly. That was not going to be his newest obsession. And instead had joined up with the Methodist Youth Fund, which was a little club. Um, and in that club, it happened to already exist and only have female people in the club. That was Herb's deal. He's going to go meet some ladies. He's going to join this club to do so. But how if he's got a wee-wee? Because the new guys had joined. Like, it, oh, it, guys, it wasn't okay. a rule. Okay. It was, okay. Uh, like, just I mis- only. I misunderstood. Yeah. But think about high school. Like, all the religious clubs, usually it's more it's more predominantly female than male. Because yeah. it's not cool to be in religion in high school. Yeah. Well, Herb went and got his buddy. And he's like, listen, you got to join this club with me. And he's like, no, dude. He's like, bro, it's all girls. You got your pick of the litter. Just come. And the girls actually really liked her. They nominated him president of the club. Like, everything went great. Nothing weird. So, while he is still socially awkward, um, in high school, he kind of found his lane to stick into. And he would hang out with the smart kids and the, you know, quote-unquote nerds. He still was a bit odd and, you know, stood out. It was the 70s, and he showed up to school every day in a freshly ironed button-down shirt and dress slacks when no one else was wearing that. So he was odd, but no one didn't like him. Like, he, had, no one had problems with him. No one had issues. No one had anything. So, in 1975, as a junior, Herb started to obsess over a TV movie that he watched called The Sweet Hostage. Okay. It is a movie where Martin Sheen... Started, I mean, think Lifetime, but like really low-grade Lifetime, like sci-fi. Think sci-fi movie, you know, low budget. But Martin Sheen was in it, who is his big name now, and he played a very intelligent mental patient in this movie who kidnapped his nurse, and I can't remember the lady's name. Her full name was Blair something. She was in The Exorcist, but she played the nurse. They ended up falling in love, living happily ever, and he just obsessed with this. Right. He doesn't, he doesn't get weird. He doesn't get all, you know, kidnappy or anything. He just, you know, obsessed with it, talked about it, idolized it, but just continues to go on his way, doing pretty good in school, trying to make his way with the ladies. Um, And he actually reported that year to everyone that wanted to know. They didn't, but he wanted everyone to know. He lost his virginity that year in junior year. So it was a good year for Herb. Um, And then he graduated the next year in 1976. Uh, the summer before college, he hung out with his friends, told them all about his big plans to be a hotshot lawyer, and honestly, probably would have been a good one with how smart he was, and he, you know, went off to a local state school in New York and started college. However, even with as smart as Herb was, unfortunately, college didn't, it was, it was very quick, it was a very quick blip in his life because he dropped out. Um, Herb states that it's because high school had not prepared him for the study habits of college. His whole life, he's never had to study, literally just knew everything. He's always the smartest kid in the room, always the smartest kid in the class. And then he got to college, and it's not such a small little fishbowl anymore, and it was a different ballgame, and Herb didn't want to play. So at this point, um, and you know, it was it was high school's fault they didn't teach him. His roommate's fault because he showed him that you could skip class. You didn't have to go to class if you didn't want to. And um, no girls would date him. And if he just had a good girl that would date him, they could have kept him on the straight and narrow. It's not Herb's fault he dropped out. So, just to let you know, 
he is a victim. Yep. The world 100%. screwed him. The world did. Hard. So, but at this point, Herb starts to show, let's say, you. I, I don't want to use the word strange because that's negative, but off-putting. Maybe alarming behavior, if you will. Um, Herb shaved his head bald. Okay. Took to only wearing white pajama pants. God, is he like neo-Nazi? No, no. Okay. I wish, almost. Um, no, 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 no. Actually, Herb's kind of funny. You would like Herb. Shaves his head bald. That's messed up. No, wait, wait for it, because you like awkward moments, right? Yes, I right? do. So Herb starts wearing only white pajamas, but not to bed, in public, in life. That's all he'll wear. And he walks around his life like he is in the middle of a kung fu action movie. That's the best way I could find it described, and it's honestly the best way to describe it. Like, he'd be walking down the street, and random Bob Smith comes out of a hardware store on the same side of the street walking towards Herb, and all of a sudden, Herb would, like, stop and go into, like, some crouching tiger pose, like he's going to attack him. And I do think now is the best point to point out, well, Herb's never had a karate lesson in his life. Well, I, I'm just kind of confused, like, how... Uh... Okay, hold on, wait, rewind. <laughs> so, uh huh. drops out of cult. Yeah. And then he just wakes up one morning and he's like, I'm going to wear... I'm Bruce Lee. White pajama pants and be a ninja. Yeah, he's a kung wait, fu. But where, like, where did that mental break happen? I don't, you know, I don't, I don't. That's why I said you'd like him, because if you were walking on the opposite side of the street and you saw... cackling. White young who over here, kind of, like, oh, God, yeah. freezing in the ostrich pose or whatnot... Can you imagine what you would probably follow him around the rest of the day just to see how many times that happened? There'd be a lot of, lot, lot, lot of videos. Yeah, but I, I, yeah, yeah. Faith. This is where he's at in his life. He's Faith. we're breaking. We're guys. Yeah. I am not innately a bully, but I mean, you reap what you sow, <laughs> like, right? But there's no like. He's never taken a karate lesson. No one in his family is. He just decided he was a kung fu like, warrior. I'm just curious, like, I mean, like, sometimes I'll wake up in the morning and I'm like, I don't want to be an adult anymore. But I don't put on diapers to start crapping my pants. Right. I don't go build forts. I get up and I go to work and yeah. I take my kid nope. to school. Not Herb. He so that's done. gotta be. That's gotta be like a. There's a mental break. Something there's, happened. Something. Something. Something went wrong. His rubber band was stretched too tight and it went. Bing! <laughs> and slapped all around his dome. Violently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So okay. I just imagine him walking around like, and he never attacked anyone. He'd just get in these poses and be like, Wah! and just freeze. I staring wish, at them. I wish oh. this was a video I, podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Everything she just did right now. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what he did. Luckily, there were no nunchucks involved, but this is, this is Herb's life. He is a kung fu warrior and he's taken down the everyday. People on the street. I don't know. But remember, he's very smart. Like, he's a genius. Right. Uh-huh. Yes. Does he have tissue box shoes? No, like... he does not. Okay. None, none. Kung Fu warriors do not wear tissue boxes, my Okay, friend. I'm sorry. My bad. So, he's very <laughs> wrong, smart. Wrong spectrum? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Wait, was that offensive? Oh. Well, honestly. I did it again. All right. Yeah, was... your, your life is offensive. It's I fine. Know. They're used to it. So he's super smart, he's very good with numbers, and he's got, like, an eidetic memory where he can just remember numbers. Okay. So he decides he's going to take all his money, and he's going to go to Vegas, and he's going to gamble, and he's going to become a millionaire. 
That's what he does. Gets all his money, goes to Vegas. He gets there and turns around and goes right back home because he's only 18 years old and you're not allowed to gamble till you're 21 and he didn't look into that fact. <laughs> so back to Kung Fu Hui. We cool. Go. Again, street smarts, book smarts. Yep. Two right. very different right. things. Well, I thought he was good at numbers. You don't know you have to be 21 to gamble? Like, that's very common. Yeah. Well. So, um... All right, so Herb is unsuccessful in Las Vegas because he's not of age to gamble. So he moves back home, and this is the point where Herb starts starts to get a little bitter and angry at life. He's, you know, he had to drop out of college because school didn't prepare him. His roommate was a jerk. Girls wouldn't date him. Everybody's fault. Everyone's out to get him. Vegas wouldn't let him gamble because he was only 18. Yeah, he's like the stupidest <laughs> smart guy ever. Yeah. Yeah. So he's just getting pretty angry at this point. And with no other options, Herbs decides the only thing left for him to do is join the Marine Corps. So that's what he does. And when he was joining the Marine Corps, they, you know, give their spiel. And he was told he could choose whatever job he wants. Perfect. So Herb wants to go into intelligence. And I am sure he saw himself as, like, an international man of mystery. Like a James Bond type. I mean, he was a ninja. He was a ninja. <laughs> So, I'm thinking that's what he thought when he picked the field of intelligence to go into. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's, he went into the intelligence field, but um, he was basically a secretary, like, on a typewriter taking notes, um, which is not what he had in mind. And it doesn't take long into this job that Herb loses it. He goes off the rails. All the other rubber bands in his brain have snapped. And he goes AWOL from the military. In the Marines, which, if you're outside of the United States, and you're not really sure what AWOL is, it stands for absent without leave, and it is a very big issue here um, in the United States. For example, if you are AWOL for less than three days, three days, one, two, or three days, you go AWOL. The maximum penalty is confinement of one month and forfeiture, forfeiture blah, blah. you give up two-thirds of pay for another month. It can be brought up to, like, you can go to jail. Oh, yeah. Like, military jail and be brought up on charges. Like, it's a big freaking deal. Yeah. So, Herb's father um, sits Herb down, talks to him, explains, you have to go back to your position in the military. You could be charged with a felony. This isn't, like, this isn't a joke. This is You don't get to just drop out. You have to go back, and Herb does go back. However, upon returning to his post um, in the Marine Corps, they decide, the, the U.S. government, to give him a psychological exam, which okay. should be done. Um, but he had that huge outburst, went AWOL, so psych of how it is. After the exam is complete, Herb is given an honorable discharge from service because he was found to be psych psychologically unfit for service in the Marines. Yep. So he's out. Um, at this point in Herb's life, he, he, he's, he's kind of at a lull. He doesn't know what to do. He works multiple jobs. He goes from Burger King to Sears, working in the stockroom, going to selling Dodge um, trucks at a dealership. He goes to sell shoes in a shoe store, just literally anything to get a paycheck, jumping around everywhere. He goes through all these different jobs, um, and he's discharged from the Marines, and Herbs decides, you know what, time to make a change for my life. And in the 80s, he packs it up and goes back to his planet's Las Vegas. Because he's of age now, so he starts working at two different casinos. And while working at these casinos, 
he watches the tables and learns how to count cards. So he starts. Wouldn't take a guy like that very long. No, because he's again extremely intelligent, very good at math, and has almost photographic memory. So he starts gambling and winning, and he wins big, and he wins enough very quickly to quit both of his job at the casinos and basically just becomes a professional gambler. Um, August 18th, 1981, the small town of Las Vegas was rocked when the body of a 12-year-old girl named Sheila Jo Keister is found partially clothed in the desert east of Las Vegas. She was found raped and strangled with bite marks deep into her skin all over her entire body. There were no leads, no evidence, nothing. There's a vague sketch of a man who was said to be seen around the area, but that's it. Like, it's a sketch. Like, those are never good, right? Yeah, we all saw the Night Stalker sketch. Right. Very, very similar. Yeah, so um, Herb was not, you know, not involved in that. He's good, but... uh, in, let's see, 1982, Herb is still living in Las Vegas, still works as a professional gambler, and he's doing, he's doing well for himself. His life is turned around. <coughs> Excuse me. He becomes an author because he's published two books on the subject of gambling. He becomes um, really good friends. All right, we're back. I'm no longer dying. The dogs are no longer having conniptions, so on we go. Um, so... Herb's just published his two books on the subject of gambling. He becomes good friends with Michael um, Sermato, Sermato, I don't know. I don't know the last name. I can't pronounce it anyway. So Michael S. Yeah, that S, one guy with the yeah, face. with the eyes and the nose. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Michael's another gambler who is, has actually an advanced mathematics degree, also very intelligent, and what do you know? Also a card counter. So at one point... Um, Herb tells Michael that he's been practicing the art of clairvoyance and can now predict the cards, not just count them. And he knows the outcome of, like, Baccarat, Baccarat tables, or how you pronounce that, Baccarat, Baccarat. Anyway, he knows it because he's, he's starting to become clairvoyant. Again, just that little bit more slip in reality, kind of. Another band has popped, if you yep. will. But the two friends join a group of card counters who go around from casino to casino playing blackjack as a unit with, like, these signs they'll give each other to rake in this dough. Right. Basically a movie. Yeah. Like, think of a movie. That's what they're doing. It's this nice little underground team of card counters. But that's his life. That's what he's doing. So it's at this point that Herb meets a man named Alan Hacker who is interested in learning how to count cards. Alan wants to learn how to count cards. And he's basically a fanboy of this little group Group, of card counters. Yeah, Yeah, and follows them around, watches them, tries to buddy up with them, and that kind of deal. And Alan said that Herb was very cunning, very sly. But, because, you know, again, Alan followed them around and watched them. Said he's incredibly intelligent, super good at what he did, but... If there was any kind of pressure, Herb lost the plot and became like this bumbling, just couldn't function. Yeah, because he's socially yeah. awkward. So, and he said he'd, he'd start bumbling things up, being super awkward, and he'd watch Herb over and over doing so well at, at, in this group and at these different casinos counting cards, but then ruin it all when the pressure got high. 
But Herb and Alan kind of started becoming friends. They'd see each other. They'd hang out more. They were both very interested in target shootings. So the two got closer, started spending more time together, um, going to, you know, shooting ranges, talking guns, whatnot. And while in a gun store one time, Herb told Alan of this really interesting book that he just finished reading. And it was supposedly written by an ex-CIA agent. But Can I say one thing? Yeah, go ahead. You said supposedly. Supposedly. Thank you. That's all I needed to, I just wanted to, drives me crazy. At least I don't say melt. Good Instead call. That, yeah. That's a good, that's good. So, that's... Um, Herb read this booklet by an ex-CIA agent, and basically the whole book's on methods of killing people. And it would describe wow. all these weird ways to kill people and give them cutesy little names for each murder. And Herb's just telling Alan this in the gun store. Like, <laughs> it was amazing, loved it. He really liked, he really enjoyed or was interested in this one murder style that the CIA agent talked and described, which involved flex cuffs, which are just zip ties, like, you know, the little plastic flex cuffs. Yeah. And Alan just thought, you know, this is getting a little weird for me, but whatever. Teach their own. Go on with your bad self. So, yeah. Um, it's at this point where another band snaps in Herb's head, and he starts obsessing again. And this time, it was on the way to maximize energy efficiency. Like, went bat crap crazy. And, like, if his friends would accelerate too fast in the car, he'd literally lose the plot and start screaming at them about all the gas they're wasting. They need to drive nice and slow and steady. And they're like, dude, we just need to get to the casino. Shut up. Wow. So, again, just that, that other band snapping, if you will. Um, Herb, on the other side, has a steady girlfriend, and they move in together. Her name's Kelly Clough. They had a great relationship. It did not last. Which, you know. I wonder why. No, I'm going to tell you why. Okay. Um, she said that he was very sexually peculiar, which is not something you want in the description of your boyfriend. No. Um, Kelly said that he would treat her like she was a child. He started spanking her, and then he'd tell her, just lay still. Herbie won't hurt you. Uh, yep. If that, uh, if that wasn't bad enough, at one point she stated that he shaved off all her pubic hairs and exclaiming she looked just like a 10-year-old girl. Warning, uh, look, warning, look, danger. Look, I'm all, I'm all for sex games in the bedroom, but uh, you, you've crossed the line, can my we friend. Ju- can we just not go there? Yeah, no, no, no. And this is, this is the oh 80s. My God. Like, there was not, the Brazilian wax wasn't a thing yet, my friend. <laughs> Like, this wasn't normal behavior. There's no clean beef at this point. (laughs) No, it's the Brenda's Beaver book. (laughs) You know what book I'm talking about? (laughs) If you've never heard of the Brenda Beaver book, just Google it, read it, and enjoy your life, okay? As an adult mocking other people. So, um... I give up on you. Yeah. In 1980, the, the relationship didn't work. Kelly Clough was out, which, good for you, Kelly. Run, run to a different state, change your name, change your hair, change everything. Change your locks, hide your wife, hide your children. In 1984, the year of my birth, Herb uh, ends up getting arrested for a cheating scam, counting cards thing, and released on bail for $500. 
He was supposed to end up back on trial, but the case honestly just kind of fizzled out, never leaded anywhere. So in 1985, the year of your birth, Herb Yay. decides he needs to start over, and he's going to move to South Lake Tahoe in California. It's always California. Yeah. He saved up about $200,000 from his gambling wow. as an nest egg and moved. Now, I'm just going to stop right here and say this would be a great end of the story because, okay, let's let's be honest. Who rules Las Vegas casinos? The mob. He was part of a group that went around cheating the mob. Yeah. Or the casinos, the house money, the house always wins. No, 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 no. They broke that. They counted cards. They cheated. Casino to casino for like three years. And he got away with it. Why didn't they just break his legs and throw him in the river and the story could be done? I don't Maybe they knew. I wish they had. No, they knew that Lake Mead was going to dry up eventually. Yeah. I'm kidding. Well. Continue. They didn't, and so the story's going to continue. So, um, he moves out to South Lake Tahoe. And it's after the move that Herb li- really, truly starts to lose touch with reality. Okay. Um, he moved there and knew no one in the area. And he was lonely, and he just had himself, which isn't a great companion. And he just didn't know how to make friends in this new area. I mean, in Las Vegas, it's a city that never sleeps. There's people everywhere. You go to right. a casino, you got a best friend for the night, and you both go your separate ways. Like, you're constantly surrounded by the bubble and the life. And everything, right? Exactly. This is not this is not where he's at now. He doesn't have his little group of card counting cheats. He's not surrounded by people, and he just doesn't know how to get out of this. So he's, I guess, depressed in a way. He's just stuck. He's alone and he's stuck. So he finds um, something new to obsess about. New little, new little thing. I don't like where this is going. And it's science fiction. Um, okay. And with that, it he got so wrapped up because remember he'd obsessed, yeah, and just ins and out, ins and out, and it got a little harder and harder for him to remain in the here and now, and literally just he starts losing his grip on reality. In a span of a year, Herb lost all his money, all two hundred thousand dollars of it, gone, poof, not on money, not on drinking, not on women, not on drugs, none of that. Because remember, health still, yep, um. What? He, I, I couldn't imagine. Yeah, he literally, he had to call his parents and ask to borrow $300. Like, he was flat broke. And That's a lot of money. Yeah. And with this deteriorating mental state and with the addition of science fiction, he started seeing signs in everything. Okay. Everything was a sign from the universe to him, personally. Right. Um, and it was, it, it was how he lived his everyday life. If he saw someone, because he would still gamble. Yep. But instead of using these tried-and-true methods, the, uh, the counting cards and the math and everything else that he, he was doing well, succeeding in Las Vegas, he threw all that away. And if someone would scratch their head, that meant he needed to go all in. Not that they had dandruff or, you know. Like, that was his sign. And he just made these signs up on a whim. And, and that's how he started, and that's how he lost everything. He, he gambled it all away by... Not relying on his math abilities and his card counting and his intelligence, but looking at these supposed universal signs that were being sent to him. A psychologist would later say, his name was Dr. Mark Mills, that he examined Herb and said his state, not his statement, but he kind of summarized everything. In a year and a half, Herb lost $150,000 at the gambling table due to simply abandoning his methods. And 
Dr. Mills said, most people would, when, you know, when they're seeing these signs from the, from the universe, sorry, it's spit everywhere. <laughs> Lisa's trying to keep it together. She doesn't. Um, I did my best. Most people, when they, when they see these quote unquote signs, the universe are giving them to win, but you keep losing, they, they'll just give it up, right? And go back to their old methods. It yeah. actually was winning. Herb persevered in his signs and just kept with this new method, which eventually caused his downfall. Yeah. And it kind of, if you think back to it, when he was talking to his buddy Michael, he said he was clairvoyant. So it was all kind of there before. But he had these card-counting group and everybody that kind of kept him to, to plot, if you will. Yeah. He's lost Same, the plot. Like, hey, guy, like, right. no, I'm going to keep you stable. We mm-hmm. need to do it this way. Yeah, they're gone now. Well, and also, right. they used signs to each other on when they would work these casinos. Right, right. So he's used to signs. I don't know if maybe that got lost somewhere, but neither here nor there. He's lost everything. So he ends up having to move into a trailer park. And he uses a childhood friend's name without consent to move into this trailer park because he couldn't pass a credit check and also opens up an international calling card under this guy's name, again, without his knowledge or consent. Um, and that was the guy, not Herb, but this other random name is who owned the trailer, right? You don't know the name? Um, I do, but it's, I don't have it written down until later and I'll lose my spot. So we're just going to go unnamed going, for now. Um, and if anybody asked, Herb just said that he was that guy's roommate. Like, they were friends, they lived together, you know, that type of deal. Yeah. Like, Herb didn't assume the identity, but he just used it he to, just, yeah. yeah. So, at Christmas, Herb goes back to visit his family. Everything seems super normal. His dad said he acts just like he always did. His mom said he seemed a little stressed, but honestly, she just accounted that to the lifestyle he lived of a gambler. Because it's not steady it's highs and lows and it can be stressful never knowing where that next paycheck's coming from right um in the early 18 19 not 18s we're not i was 18s. gonna say dude we just i just skipped popped into the way, way back, back machine, machine. <laughs> um her in in 1987 the landlord our trailer park manager whatever observes all these deliveries starting all these huge deliveries of carpet and foam and wood being delivered to Herb's trailer and Herb is taking this material in and out, in and out, doing all this stuff to the trailer. Nobody has any idea what's going on, but he's kind of a weird guy. He's kind of that eccentric guy, you know, harmless, harmless Herb, if you will. So that's, that's kind of where we're at. In May of 1987, Herb, 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 Herb makes a plan. And he calls his local blackjack dealer, whose name was Candace Smith. She does not know him. Now, you're just going to have to stick with me. There's a lot of names about to be thrown around here. All right. It'll all come back together. Okay. Um, Candace doesn't know Herb Cottingham. She knows Gary Serrano, who's a regular at her blackjack table. Gary is Herb. Herb is Gary. They are the same person. Yes. He just used a fake name. Okay. Anyways. Herb calls Candace at 3 o'clock in the morning. Now, number one, you call me at 3 o'clock in the morning, you best be a very close relative, and you best be about to die. Yeah. Like, you best need help. Because yeah. if not, you're going to. Yeah. Calls you, her. You know my rule. Yeah. Yeah. So, he calls her at 3 o'clock in the morning. But this isn't Gary Serrano or Herb Cottingham. The person calling Candace 
is John Parrott. And he's with Parrot Communications out of Atlanta. So it's 3 o'clock this morning. This woman is dead asleep. She has woken up, and she states that there's a very fake southern accent coming at her on the phone. Say, ma'am, I just got your dare number from that dare modeling agency, and uh, I want I want to use you in one of my beer commercials. It couldn't have been worse than that. Like that. Apparently it was bad. <laughs> it was bad. I did the worst accent I could. He also tells her, I heard you I heard you's got a daughter, and I think I could use her in the commercial as well. So you you just bring her on with you and you come down. We're gonna set you up with, with this commercial. Candace loses the plot, starts yelling at him, telling him off for calling so early, and tells Mr. Parrot yeah. um to shove it. You can't see my air bunnies. I'm doing air bunnies on Mr. Parrot's name. Mr. Parrot basically tells her, you need to calm yourself there, honey. I have played at your table. I know everything about you. I know where you live. You don't talk to me like that. So she hangs up on him. She's done. Like, I'm going back to bed. This is a prank call. This is ridiculous. Yeah, this is BS. Yeah. Nine o'clock in the morning rolls around. And Mr. Parrot, uh, John Parrot, calls Candace back. And saying, listen, I'm, I'm not trying to fool you or nothing, Ed, and this is a real legit here deal I'm talking about there, darling. You need to talk to my partner. Then he hands the phone, apparently, to someone else, and Candace says the exact same voice comes on the phone with no accent. No tone change, nothing. Exact same voice, just no accent. And says, hello, hello, can you meet us here for lunch? Is it lunch a good time for you? She just hangs up, like... She said it was obviously the same person. One just used a really bad accent and one did not. Okay. So as weird and disturbing as that whole situation is, um, it gets worse when you know that Herb had told another blackjack dealer that worked with Candace and had told Candace that, um, and I quote, Candace had a pretty little daughter. Okay. Candace's daughter doesn't go to the casino. She's a child. Yeah. How does he know what she looks like? Why does he know what she looks like? Stalker. Yeah. So, we're still in May 1987, and that whole plot fell apart really quick for Herb. Um, But, luckily, there is a new talent scout in the area, Mr. Mark Bloomfield. Mr. Mark Bloomfield calls Reno Modeling Agency and tells them, listen, I'm looking for some teenage models to take place in an anti-drug commercial I'm shooting. Get me some models together. Send me headshots. Let's get something together. They don't return his call. A few days later, on May 14th, the same man, Mr. Uh, Mark Bloomfield, calls the um, Bratizan agency. Bratizan? Bratizan? I don't know. Agency telling them, I'm with Parrot Communications. And... And um, I am shooting an anti-drug commercial, and I need a few teenage girls. Can you send over some of your models' headshots? Can we get together an audition? They don't call him back. So he shows up at the agency, Mr. Bloomfield does, um, on May 15th, the day after. Um, and once he's there in person, he wants to see the models. He wants the headshots. He wants to set something up. Let's go, let's go, let's go. But the people he talked to... Stated he seemed very nervous and was obviously in disguise. A very poor disguise. His hair had obviously been dyed recently to a jet black. 
It was greased back to his skull with a lot of gel. He did have a very real mustache that he had not dyed, so it was still brown. And he wore these, like, weird horn-rimmed glasses like an old lady would wear. Like, the whole thing was weird. They just got a weird vibe, and you know what? Even though he had a business card and he's wearing a nice suit, they just, you know what? Because he's sitting there, I need these models ASAP. So we we got to set this up. We got to set this up. This commercial's important. You know what? The, the agency just, they did not. They just said, you know what? We don't have any models right now that are going to fit your criteria. We're not going to be sending them your way. You're not getting any headshots. No, they had a bad feeling. Good for them. Couple days, and, and, and this is what this Mr. Bloomfield, which, spoiler alert, it's Herb, um, is going through all the modeling agencies that have child talent, telling them the same spiel. One modeling agency, the uh, the Avant, Avance agency, he showed up there with horn-rimmed women's glasses, mustache, brown hair, like, this same person is showing up at all these modeling agencies, asking for the same thing, looking different each time, like they're not all going to talk to each other. Mm. Right? Okay. Well, unfortunately, Mabel Mabs Martin is the 69-year-old 69 69-year-old 69 owner of Showcase Finishing and Modeling School, and she talked to Mr. Bloomfield on the phone, and he explained, I'm, you know, out of Atlanta with Parrot Communications. I'm doing an anti-drug commercial. I need some young teenage girls to film this to really try to get kids against drugs. And, and Mabs is a, is a great lady. She cares for her talent. And, you know, yeah, we want to keep the youth of America off drugs. I'm going to set you up an audition. Oh, no. So she sets an audition up for Mr. Bloomfield with about a dozen girls for his commercial. He shows up to the audition, jet black hair glasses, pinstripe suit, looking nice, watches all 12 girls audition. There are three girls there that he offers the role. He, he casts them for his commercial. Um, he's trying to work out the details with the three girls. One of the girls has a family event later that day of the commercial shoot. And so she just says, listen, I'm not going to be able, you know, I, I'm not going to do these arrangements like we've talked about. I'll have my family drive me and just kind of wait outside, and then I'll, I'll leave with them after the shoot. The next day, she's fired. She was a little too old for the commercial. He was just throwing her a bone. The two other girls are perfect, though. So the last girl's fired. Um, she's too old, leaving Mr. Bloomfield with 12-year-old Monica Burge and 14-year-old Alicia Tomas for the commercial. Now, the commercial's been cast. Mabs's girls have got the deal. They've made all their plans. Um, they're gonna Saturday. They're gonna meet up. Mabs is gonna take the girls and meet Mr. Bloomfield at the Nugget Casino restaurant, and they're gonna drive out to the shoot together. Right? That's that's we're we're there. Girls are excited. They each get fifty bucks an hour for this commercial shoot. It's for a fourteen and a twelve year old. Back in the you know the day the year we're in the eighty seven. That's that's good money. <laughs> I was Sorry. Gonna say we're in the 80s. I don't know. I don't know. I couldn't remember. We started in the 70s. My brain it's got discombobulated. So the big day's here, Saturday, May 16th. Um, Mab explains to her son all her plans for the day. She always has this. Um, she picks up her best friend, 67-year-old Dottie, who's going to keep her company while the commercial shooting and everything. You know, 67. Well, Mab's is no spring chicken. She was. She was. She was older too. She was 69, I think. I think. Yeah, you said, 69. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Dottie is uh, 67, it's her best friend. She Apparently this is something they kind of do. Dottie goes with her. They kind of talk and knit or whatnot. Gossip, let's be honest. While the girls shoot, Mabs 
doesn't ever leave, though. She's going to be there for the whole thing. So she grabs Johnny, and they go pick up the two girls, and they head off to the casino um, and wait for Mr. Bloomfield. Mr. Bloomfield arrives and jumps into the backseat of the car. There's no pinstripe suit or horn-rimmed glasses. He's wearing sweatpants and is reported to smell funny. Kind of like sweaty, gross. Um, and he gives directions, and they drive to the Tahoe Verde trailer park. Park right in front of this trailer. Where they're going to shoot a commercial. Which, on the one hand, I want to be like, why was no one like, um, what? But on the other hand, you're shooting an anti-drug commercial. So you probably want to make it look like it's bad, you know what I mean? That's really judgmental. It is judgmental, <laughs> but if you're shooting a commercial, you're thinking you're going to a studio, not a trailer park. Correct. So, I've lived in trailers before. No shame in that. They are nicer than my house, some of them these days. Clayton Holmes, they got you some good crap. You are not lying. So anyway, they all head inside this trailer. Um, Mab's Dottie, the two girls, and, and Mr. Bloomfield. And he says, you know what? The girls can go to the back room and they can change and freshen up their makeup. While we're waiting on everyone else to get here, we'll go over the lines and whatnot and get going on this, right? Right. So they open the door and walk in, and the girl, two girls are first. And in this room, it is just hardwood paneling, like thick hardwoods lining the walls. And there are pictures and posters all over the walls of models hanging everywhere. But there's legit not even a mirror for these girls to do their makeup in. Like, the plot has, has fallen apart real, real, real quick. Okay. So the two girls are kind of looking around, and um, Mavis and Dottie at this point have walked in, and they're taking all this in. Um, there's no bathroom to get ready in. There's no place to do the hair and makeup. Like, what's going on? The girls seem a little confused. Um, Mab, at this point, she's she is a veteran. She, she knows something's afoot. So she turns around. She's going to get some information. And Mr. Bloomfield proceeds to immediately punch 14-year-old Lisha in the jaw while he's holding something called a blackjack in his hand. It's like a... I know exactly what it is. Yeah. It's, I can't describe it well. Blackjack is something you would put, like, for a woman in your purse. Yeah, yeah. Or it's basically a blunt force object that you could whack. Yeah. crap out of somebody. So yeah. he's got one of that in his hands and he punches 14-year-old Leisha in the jaw. And she obviously falls to the floor. So then he turns to Mabs and starts punching her and pushing her into the ground, just beating the crap out of this 69-year-old woman. And the remaining three people, the two girls and, and Dottie, are literally like screaming and freaking out, which duh. Because something's gone horribly awry at this point. So Herb yells for everybody to shut up. Everybody shut up. And tells the two women, Dottie and Mabs, to get on the ground. And he's going to tie him up. Mabs immediately goes into, like, damage control. I mean, she just got the crap kicked out of her. Watch 14-year-old, her 14-year-old girl that she manages get punched in the face. But you know what? She's a tough old bird. She's, we're going to, calm, rational. She's going to talk him down. We're going to get out of the situation. So she's talking to him. She's trying to, hey, you know, you don't have to do this. Just tell me what's going on. And he finally just looks at her and says, if you don't get on the ground this moment, I'm going to kill one of the girls. Okay. So she complies immediately. Dottie starts begging for her life. 
just, please don't kill me, please don't kill me. Mabs, on the other hand, starts begging him. I'll, I'll give you anything you want. Take anything you want to me. Do anything you want to die in me. Please let the girls know. Don't touch the girls. Don't hurt the girls. Do it to us. I'll give you anything. What, what, name your price. I'll give you any money you want. And Herb looks at her and says, I know you will. And at this point, 14-year-old little Alicia digs in her pockets, finds all the cash she hands, and hands it to this man. Just trying to get this madness to stop. Like, so Herb takes a pillowcase and puts it over Mab's head. Then gets a zip tie and puts it around her neck. Mab tells him she can't breathe. It's too tight. You've got to loosen it. Please help. And the remaining occupants, again, 12-year-old and a 14-year-old and her best friend Dottie, watch in horror as Mab continues to choke and gasp for air until she finally falls over dead to the ground. Suffocated, strangled with a zip tie. Herb then orders the two girls to lie on the ground next to the woman's legs so he can tie them up. They just saw what happened. Yeah. He uses the zip ties again and ties their hands and feet and places a jacket over 14-year-old Alicia's head and a pair of shorts over 12-year-old Monica's head. So the girls are tied up, lying on the ground, and they've just watched Mabs be murdered, and they can hear as Dottie continues to beg for her life. Um, she's got a heart condition. Just please let her go. She's not going to tell anybody that. She doesn't care about the girls, in my opinion. Like, Mabs was saying, take me, use me, not them. Dottie's just right. saying, get me out. Yeah. Um, and Herb goes to grab Dottie's purse and pull it out of her hands. Dottie, unfortunately, maybe because she's just so scared and in shock, refuses to let the purse go. This pisses him off, and he starts to hit Dottie. Over and over on the head until she falls unconscious onto the floor, bleeding out everywhere. The girls can hear all this, but they can't see. So all they have is their imagination to what is going on. So the girls' heads are covered. They hear someone leave the room, and they hear in the room, which is Dottie, they don't, they're assuming, but they didn't know, they hear vomiting and gasping for air. He beat her in the head so hard she probably had a concussion. Um, they hear thrashing around until it just kind of stops. They hear someone come back into the room. They hear the zzz of a zip tie being tied around Dottie's neck. And he strangles her to death as well. So the girls can hear gurgling noises. They can hear choking, coughing. But this time they can't see Dottie being killed like they watched Mab. All they have is their what they hear, their imagination, which is, I guarantee you, worse than what they saw. Um, and a few minutes later, they hear nothing. They hear someone walk in the room, rustling some plastic bags around. Then they hear something that sounds to be larger plastic bags being dragged. Um, and they're just left there, blinded and zip-tied. They have no idea. So Herb returns to the girls a little while later, and he cuts the zip-ties off of them. And he reties the hand, their hands in front of their bodies using just a belt this time. He takes the jacket off Alicia's head and replaces it with a pillowcase, which she knows what happened the last time she saw a pillowcase go on someone's head, and ties a rope around her neck. Does the same thing to Monica, and he tells them, um, 
Listen, we just wanted Mabs. I was paid to get her. I'm going to get paid extra for Dottie. You guys weren't supposed to be part of this deal. Like, this is all like a job he's on, right? Like, he's part of the mob and he's a hitman. I don't know. He's still in the movie in his head. So, after a while, he comes back and he takes the wrist restraints off. He allows the blindfolds to be removed. And Alicia looks around. She can see the room there and still that, that thick boarded room. But notices there's like peepholes in the doors, like eye, eye holes drilled out to where he can be looking in and watching them at all times. Um, and they're, I guess, I, I couldn't even take a guess to how scared the two are. I mean, but that's, I mean, they're young. Yeah. Young. Horrified. And it's not like this isn't, this isn't the true crime age it is today. Like, there's not all the law and orders and stuff on TV, right? Right. So he tells the girls not to worry. He's probably just going to use them for ransom. He didn't want them. They were after Mabs, all this BS again. 12-year-old little Monica asks Herb if he's going to kill him. He responds to this by pulling a pistol with a silencer out of his gun and looks at her and says, if I was going to kill you, you'd already be dead, little girl. Nice guy. Uh-huh. Again, very movie-esque type oh, quotes, though. Like, so he gives them both a glass of water to drink. Turns them around, puts the blindfolds back over their heads, the pillowcases, and leaves. Returns a little bit later with a bowl of fruit for them to eat. And then ties them back up and leaves and locks them in this room. So it's a lot of in and out, untying them, tying them, untying them, tying them, unblindfolded and blindfolded. It's weird. Like, there's no rhyme or reason to any of this. So is he literally just playing out a role in his head? Yeah, he's... he's like, I yeah. mean, it, it literally just sounds, at this point... Like, he is reenacting a movie he created in like, his head. A lot of bad movies. Yeah. I wanted your dad to kill you. We're just after Mab. See, like, all this weirdness, right? Right. So, um, after he, he gave him their fruit, he, he leaves. After He comes back later with magazines for the girls to read. Because he doesn't want them to get bored, you know. He's a right. nice guy. Harmless Herb and all. Oh, sorry, he's Mr. Bloomfield right now. Herb's nowhere to be found. Right. Alicia notices that there's a subscription label on the magazine she's handed, and there's a name of Herb Cottingham, and there's an address. So when he's not paying attention, she rips that label off the magazine and shoves it down in her bag. Okay. Smart girl. Um, he doesn't notice. He leaves him alone and doesn't return, and the two girls just pass out at some point in the night. I mean, their bodies, they're done. Yeah. This is... They were excited and juiced up for the, the, they went from being, like, overly excited, juiced up for this commercial they get to be in, to watching their agent killed, strangled to death, to hearing someone else being beat. Alicia's already been punched in the face, to being tied up and all this, they're done. Their, Their minds can't handle it. They pass out. So, while the girls are sleeping, Herb's in the living room, living his best frickin' life. He calls his friend Michael. Remember, back in Las Vegas, yep. the mathematician, and tells him, I've got something going on here. I've got something like that guy in Philadelphia had. Now, there, the Philadelphia reference is to a man who held a bunch of girls in his basement for years avoiding capture, basically. So, But it eventually got caught, broke, so, but he's, he's proud of himself. Michael asks, Michael thinks honestly that her probably has something going on, but it's, it's just like a kinky roleplay type thing. Um, and that's what he says. Oh, did you find a girl at the casino to take home and, you know, do all these fantasy hopes? said, no. 
I got the real thing going. And I'm not going to get caught. Because the landlord never comes around here. No one's coming around here. These girls are mine. And he's also gone the extra mile to make his trailer soundproof. Spent months soundproofing his trailer. And that was all that crap that he was bringing together. It was. So he's golden. He is scot-free. He has thought this through. He's, he's good. He tells Michael, here's the deal. I'm 30 years old. I got nothing going for me. I've got no job. I've got no family. I'm broke. I've always had these fantasies. Ah, figured it's time to give it a try. And I listened to another podcast on this story, and they explained it best. Like, he's talking like, I've got no family. I've got no bills. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out and start my own business type of thing. Like, that's how he's making this sound, except he's got two young girls trapped. in a soundproof trailer yeah. trapped. And he's just murdered two people. Let's not forget that. Um, he goes on to tell Michael, hey, if you're ever in the area, you should stop by. Because it was better than you could have ever imagined. And you want a piece of this action. I'll, I'll let you have a taste. So, you know, killing two old women, kidnapping two children, best thing in the world. Living, he is high on the hog. The next morning, the girls wake up and Herb's just standing there, staring at them with breakfast, which consists of eggs and strawberries. Then he forces them to take vitamins, because, you know, healthy, healthy life. Um, and says, come on, let's go in the living room. Want to hang out, girls? Harmless, harmless Herb here. Um, so there's this 12-year-old and 14-year-old girl that have just spent the night tied up, terrified, blindfolded, after watching two women be murdered. And they're led in the room by this man um, who has a... If you're not terrified enough for your well-being, let's just... They've got a man leading them into the living room saying, hey, come watch TV, wearing a turtleneck with the arms of the turtleneck tied around his face with a ski mask covering the top part of his face with this bright orange tufts of hair sticking out everywhere. Oh, no. We've gone... So... I, I miss Kung Fu, Kung Fu Carl from the beginning. This is He's the master of disguises. Apparently. <laughs> what the... F I don't know. So he allows them just to hang out in the living room, watch some TV. And tells them it's, um, you know, it's, it's time to, for you girls to work out. You got to stay healthy. Got to work out. So he brings back to the room and says, I've got some workout gear in there. Go get changed. And while they're changing, they, they can hear heavy breathing in the other room. Like he's standing outside the door doing jumping jacks, more than likely. Staring at the uh, eye, eye holes he's made watching them get dressed. And uh, then they hear a shower. Herb comes back in um, and forces them to go back to the living room and do a workout tape, like old school Richard Simmons workout tape, and just watches while they do the whole tape. They have to do it. They have to stay healthy. They have to work out. Like, I think even the 12 and 14-year-old um, know he's unhinged. Yeah. Like, all the bands have snapped. There are no bands. They're all gone. So when they're done working out, he offers them, why don't you come take a shower? They both. Nope, they're good. They don't want to shower. No, 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 no. Alicia does ask to brush her teeth, um, but that's it. Nothing else. And so after a while, he sits down and, and, and has a chat with the girls. So here's the, here's the deal. They weren't supposed to be involved. 
He was just paid to take out maps. Paid a little extra because Dottie was there. Um, no big deal. But he he has they're there. They can't just be for naught, if you will. I know. So here's the plan. They are gonna make a videotape with an eighteen year old boy that his friends kidnapped. And after they make this porn tape, he's gonna sell the porn tape over in Europe to pay his bosses back in compensation for letting these two girls live. Right? Right. That's the plan. He then... Um, Very delusional. Oh, you have no idea. He then forces the girls to undress, blindfolds them again. However, Alicia was said to be able to see, like, a little bit around the blindfold, kind of, you know, just, like, glimpses. Yeah, the story had to come from somewhere. Yeah. I get it. Alicia asks... She's blindfolded, but she says, are you going to rape us? Point blank. 14-year-olds. And Herb says, no. And if this 18-year-old boy hurts you, I'll hurt him. You're going to be okay. You just got to make this tape. So Herb puts both girls on the bed, lies them down close together. The girls lie there and literally just reach over and hold hands. It's only, it's the only way they can comfort each other, right? And, uh, oh, yeah. Um, Herb then climbs on the bed with a microphone. He's got a microphone he's putting on their face. Alicia can see the microphone kind of through the blindfold, just, you know, just the microphone, that's it. And he he tells the 18-year-old who walks in, be gentle with the girls now. Then he leans down to Monica, the 12-year-old, and uh, just like he's a master of disguises, he's a master of accents. Remember he had that southern twang earlier? Oh, yeah. Super cool. He uh, changes his voice to what he believes an 18-year-old person should sound like. And he whispers to Monica, I'm scared, too. The people here have guns, but if we just do what they want, I don't think they're going to hurt or kill us. Wow. He's still hurt. Wow. So... Oh, yeah. oh, no, we're not. Oh, we're my not. God. Yeah. Hey. So at this point, Herb starts to kiss Monica just toes to top everywhere he can kiss. Just kissing her over and over and over. Alicia can hear the kissing sounds. She's still grasping Monica's so, hand. Hold on real quick. Monica's the 12-year-old. Monica's the 12-year-old. Okay. Alicia asks Monica if she's okay. Monica says yes. I'm fine. Says, honestly, it's probably the worst thing that's ever happened to her, but not as bad as it could have been. 30 minutes into this deal, Monica, Herb is, well, not Herb, 18-year-old Herb, is still kissing her, and Monica finally breaks and just says, please, can you stop, can you stop touching me? Ugh, basically. Which, miraculously, he does. Gets her dress, leaves yep. her blindfold on. But it's Alicia's attention. Alicia's term. Yep. So he goes back to the little, girl, the little boy vo voice again, leans into Alicia's ear and whispers the same bit he did to Monica. I'm scared, too. They've got guns. We just do what they want us to do. They're not going to hurt us. They're not going to kill us. And starts to kiss her as well. Alicia endures it as long as she can. And then finally, can you please just stop what she does, allowing her to get dressed. Um, after he gets both girls dressed, he leads them into the living room. This is all like a bam-bam. Like, this is not a time lapse. Like, just got them dressed, leads them into the living room, and Herb's the only one there. Where's the camera crew? Where's the microphone man? Where's 18-year-old? I don't know. Wasn't thought through. Brings him in there. Just Herb. 
and he tells the girls that video wasn't worth two cents and it's gonna have to be done over and it you've got to get better at your job video is crap oh. elsewhere what the f- i'm fixing to make your day though as bad as the story is this is the best thing I've ever, like, this is, this is, you've got two legs, I've got one question, where's my daughter, good. Oh, I love him. So elsewhere in the world, um. Not Herb, not Herb. No. The episode. Yeah. That we're referring to. Thank you. Um, Alicia and Monica's parents are freaking out. The girls have been gone over 24 hours. They're just supposed to be gone a short while. And they should have been back the day before. So they have decided they're going to take the investigation into their own hands. Especially Alicia's stepfather, who is chef's kiss. Love him. Okay. He starts calling Mab's office. Colin, Colin, where where are you at? Where are the girls at? You were supposed to be home yesterday. What's going on? But Mab's isn't answering. Right. Yeah, she's dead. So you know what? He's not. No, 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 no. He gets in his car and he drives to Mab's office. No one's there, so he breaks the door down. He goes to Mab's office. He gets finds her Rolodex, starts today, and starts making calls. Ring, ring. Were you at the audition this day for this commercial shoot? Nope. Okay, bye. Next name. Continues down the list, calling every single person in that Rolodex. Until finally, he gets to, um, he calls, and a girl answers. And she said, yeah, I was, I was there. I was hired, and I got fired because I, I, had, I was a little too old. And he said, tell me everything you can remember from that day. I need to know everything. I need to know everybody that was there. Tell me everything. And so she tells him everything that happened, and she said the only thing that she can remember that stood out was there was a BMW in the parking lot with a license plate that said TV teen. Like, they're teens, TV show type of deal, right? Okay. That's why it stuck out in her head. So he said, great, thanks so much. Gets back in his car, goes to his brother-in-law's house and says, get in the car, drives out to South Lake Tahoe and just starts looking for BMWs. He finds the car. No way. In the parking lot of the Nugget Casino. So at this point, he picks up a phone ring ring and calls the police. Tells them the whole sitch. Girls, whole thing, all up to this point. So Here's the police. What I found. Yeah, yeah. So the police tracked the license plate, which was not T V teen. It was T E V E N T. Tevent. Tevent. But it looked close enough. Luckily, it looked like something that girl could remember because that's what led him to the car. So the police track this license plate to a local dealership. They go to the dealership and talk, um, the authorities do, and talk to the owner, whose name was Tevent, Tevent, whatever, that T-E-V-E-N-T, that's the owner's name. And he says, you know what, I know exactly what car that is. I gave it to a friend of mine, Gary Serrano. Spoiler alert. One of the other aliases. Yep. And said it's he had a, a BMW imported from Europe, and the paperwork got messed up, so he couldn't register the car, so I gave him a tip plate to use while he was waiting on his paperwork. And he said, actually, uh, Gary gave me a Porsche he needed to sell on his assignment, kind of why I gave him the plate, so Porsche's still here. So... The police then pull out a composite sketch of Mr. Bloomfield that the girl gave, and he says that um, that that's not a that's Gary Serrano. I whose Porsche had who had the plate? Yeah, Gary Serrano. Yeah, you want to tell him address? 
He lives next to my mom in a trailer park. Wow. Okay. This is 24 hours. Because stepdad said, oh, hells no. Went out on a mission. I mean, this is all like bam, 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 bam. Luckily. Why I love him. So, uh, he gives him everything. He lives next to my mom. Here's the trailer park. There's here's the address. I know it's him. So good to go, right? Um, so uh unfortunately, back to the trailer we go. And I am gonna give a trigger warning because we haven't gotten bad, but we're getting bad. Uh if you wanna fast forward maybe like five, ten minutes, I'm gonna go as quick as I can, but I'm gonna go. So here's your trigger warning. This is not good. Graphic details um do follow. Okay, so can I get up and go? Nope, nope. Unfortunately, can I, can I leave? Nope. Mm-mm. Brian can. You're not. You can't. Um, here we go. I would if I could. But you know what? They live through it and suffered through it, so shall I. So back in hell at this trailer park, um, Herb sits the girls back down, and he tells them, "Here's the deal." I promise I will let you go home to your parents. I will let you go home to your life. But you both have to do another 10-minute video, and you have to do it good this time. It's not like they have a choice in the matter, right? No. So he takes them back to the room, blindfolds them again. He puts 12-year-old Monica on the bed, and 14-year-old Alicia is relegated down to the floor. But the girls are still, so they're, they're different planes, but they still, Monica puts her hand down and, and feels around until she grabs Alicia's hand and they're clasping hands again. Um, in the living room, they can hear a voice with a British accent saying, those tapes are no good. I'm not even trying. My British accent would probably be worse than Herb, because spoiler alert, British guys, Herb too. Tape, t- the tape is no good. And Herb is telling him, I've tried, I've tried, I, I, I've talked to the girls, they're going to do better. And he said, well, you're going to have to try again, British accent does, right? So Herb comes back into the room, and they've just heard, you know, Herb and British Herb talking to one another, because they're not dumb, it's the same voice. He addresses Monica, and um, at this point, he, ascends, uh, he begins to sexually assault her with his fingers. Um, Monica is crying out, begging him to stop, telling him it hurts. Please don't do this. It hurts. And Herb responds, um, in his little boy voice saying, is it okay to stop asking permission, you know? And Herb says, yeah, you can go ahead and stop. So Herb then attempts to force his penis into Monica's mouth. Forcing her to give him a blowjob. Oh Monica's crying out, saying, I'm going to throw up. This is disgusting. She's 12. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which pisses Herb off. And he yells, why did you say that? You're ruining the whole shot now. Because she's 12, bro. Because she's 12. She's still playing with Barbie. you're a sick son of a bitch. And Monica just says, I can't do it. It's gross. I'm going to throw up if you put that near me again. I can't. I can't. And Herb just says, you know what? Whatever. Get dressed. Get dressed. And places uh, her, Monica, on the ground dressed and puts Alicia on the bed. Alicia's the 14. Uh-huh. Okay. You know, because that's, that's an adult. Yeah, totally. And 
Herb tells Monica. Ter, Faith, Herb. Faith. Well, we're not getting any better. No, I know. I need a break. This yeah. is. Let's just power through it and get it done. Luckily, this part doesn't last very long. Um, Herb tells Alicia, Monica didn't do so well, so you're going to have to do better for the both of you. Basically, do your job or you're both dead. Like, it's it's all on you now. Wow. Um, and she screams no. She's not going to do it. And he starts to undress her. After he undress her, he goes through the same routine he did with Monica. He starts to assault her with his fingers. And, uh, well, I'm sorry. The 18-year-old starts to start to assault Alicia with his fingers. And, um, God, dang. I'm going to apologize for what's about to be said. I don't usually swear on the podcast, but I'm going to keep it true to exact verbatim. Um, the 18-year-old is trying to manually um, stimulate Alicia when Herb yells to the 18-year-old, quote-unquote, don't use your finger, you're going to have to fuck her now. Alicia screams, yells, thrashes, screaming, you promised you wouldn't rape us, you promised you wouldn't rape us. And Herb just, our 18-year-old, not Herb, the 18-year-old continues on and, and, and does attempt to rape her, and it doesn't work. Because she's a 14-year-old, and her body is not designed for that yet. Damn. So he fails to complete the rape process. Not that that is any better. Not that that she got off lightly. Yeah. Need a minute. I'm just trying to power through this part. It's, it's, It's awful. It's horrible. And it happens to people all the time. By strangers and family members, and you've got to protect your kids, and you don't need to be pieces of crap. So, so like, I'm fucking so mad right now. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's taken me, like, two weeks to write this, because I would have to take a break and come back, and then take a break, because it's a lot. The only thing I can think of how I would like to kill her. Oh, slowly, painfully. Slowly, painfully. So, um, after he fails to to, uh, rape her fully, not that she was not. Um, her finally tells the 18-year-old doing all this, you know, um, well, since you can't get it in her, you're going to have to go back to using your fingers now. Which, honestly, at this point, isn't any better for Alicia. She's in pain. She has started to bleed. And through the blindfold, Alicia can see a red dot of the camera recording all of this through her assault. Her finally stops, or... The 18-year-old, sorry, finally stops because Alicia never went quietly. She has screamed and she has cried. She has fought as much as her body can being tied up. Um, And apparently that wasn't what he wanted, so he stops. So let's leave hell and take a break. Back out into the real world. Um, Thank you. Yep, yep. So in the real world, police have found the trailer park. They have talked to the trailer lot manager who has said, yeah, uh, Herb, the roommate of so-and-so, Gary Servano, um, was using that license plate, the TEV and T license plate, before he got his permanent plate. So Herb kept that temporary plate, even though he had a plate on his BMW, for this plan. This was planned out. He made a soundproof bunker of a trailer. And in the, in the 80s, trailers aren't what they were today, so... Mm-hmm not an easy feat. He made it soundproof. He kept a temp plate so no one could track his vehicle to him, he thought. This was not the act of a, of a crazy person. Right. This was methodical. Methodically planned. And somebody with 140 IQ definitely 
had the means mm -hmm. to figure it all out. So the manager continues to talk to the police and tells them all about all this wooden carpet, whatnot going on and out of the trailer. And he said that Herb had told him that he was doing all this construction to soundproof the trailer because he wanted to be able to play his guitar and jam out. So the police now know they've got him. He's in, this is where he lives, and that is a soundproof trailer. Back to hell. Um, Herb allows Monica and Ashley, Alicia, sorry, back out of the room to watch TV because, you know, that's going to make them feel better. And I can just assume, I mean, this is all in the span of 24 to 48 hours. Yeah, that's what I'm Everything, every, this whole story, all this, this crap show, a 12 and a 14 year old girl have lived through. And this is a 12 and a 14 year old who are still innocent back in the 80s when you were a kid. Yeah. Because it was safe to play outside. You know what I mean? It's not like today's kids where they've got phones and technology. These were kids, like the true definition of a child. So. Um, they're, I'm assuming, just trying to process everything that just happened, everything they lived through. They're not dumb. They knew it was Herb and Herb, 18-year-old Herb's voice. Like, they're not stupid. So, the girls finally just, on a whim, ask Herb, can, can we call our parents? We, we want to, I want to talk to my mom and dad. I need to talk to my mom. I want to call my mom. And Herb says, you know, you can't, you can't do that, but he's harmless Herb. He's going to make concessions, so he's going to record them on a tape. They can say whatever they want to say to their parents, and he'll hop, skip, and a jump down to the payphone and call it and play it for their parents so the parents know they're all right. He's a nice guy. What? Um, yeah, but at this point, Alicia's not having it, and she said, you said if we made that next tape, we could leave. We could go if we made another tape, and we did. And Herb says, you know what, just let me think. Just let me think, but this conversation is, like, on repeat. And she's like, no, you said we could go. And he's like, just just let me think. But we made the tape. Just just let me think. We, you said, and it's like this, like, Herb's, he doesn't, he doesn't have this part planned out. His, yeah, like his plan breaking. is done. His, he's breaking. He, he, he had the, 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 the forefront planned out to a T. Once he got people there, there was no plan. Yeah. He doesn't have a plan. And as we know, Herb does not do well in stressful situations. So, um, Herb finally says, maybe I'll just drop you girls off somewhere, and I'm going to I'm gonna catch a flight out to Europe. That's what, that's what we're going to do. And the girls just sit there on the couch until they finally fall asleep. Again, their, their bodies and their minds, they've got a break. Yeah. That's what they do. Monday morning rolls around. Remember, all this started Saturday morning. We're to Monday. Herb wakes the girls up and tells them, today's the day, I'm, I'm going to let you go somewhere. Here's the plan. I'm going to go somewhere and I'm going to drop you off. You're going to go to a payphone and you're going to call the police so that they can get you back to Reno where you live. But here's the conditions. You have to tell the police that somebody kidnapped you and took you to a two-story blue house and said that if you told anyone what happened in that house, they were going to kill your family. This is Texas thing. Because they're going to they're gonna do exactly what he says. Absolutely. Unfortunately for Herb, at this point, the trailer is under FBI surveillance. Right. Actively. So, um, back to the car dealership, Tavitin, um, calls Herb. 
Herb's just told the girls the master plan, phone rings, picks it up. Because he was directed by the FBI exactly what to do. And he says, hey, I just sold your Porsche and I've got your cash here. Herb's got to go on the run. Cash is a good thing. But so he says, I, I just sold your Porsche. I've got, I've got your money here waiting for you. But uh, by the way, the FBI's looking for you. You should really give them a call. Why would they say that? Because the FBI, they know. They know Herb now. They've, they have taken time to look at his psyche and what kind of person he is. But he has two kids. But they know Herb. This, 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 is, this is Morgan Chamarmalade. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, during the call, Alicia hears Herb yell, you're saying my picture's up in a post office? Tavetan tells him that. Again, directed by the FBI. Herb's freaking out. And Tavetan says, you didn't have anything to do with that the kidnapping that's all over the papers, did you, Herb? Or Gary, because he's Gary to him. Yeah. I'm sorry, it's very hard to keep up with all his names. No kidding. Which Herb replies, oh, I've done much worse than that. So Herb gets off the phone with Tavetan and makes a call to David Hacker, Alan's brother from the beginning, the guy that used to follow him around. And says, I need you to give me directions to Alan's house. Things are getting a little hot here for me. So Herb then ties the girls up, locks them in the bedroom, walks outside, leaves his trailer, gets in his car, which is being trailed by the FBI, right? And goes straight to the post office and walks straight into the lobby wanting to see his picture. Because the FBI knew he'd do it. They knew him. He has to see it. He's obsessed with these things. So he, he looks, he can't find it. At 9 p.m., Herb walks back into the trailer. Please tell me the girls are gone. They're not. What the fuck? That's what the, they've done so good up until this point. You had him out of the house. You've heard him say he's done worse. You know the girls are in there. Well, actually, at this point, he has never admitted the girls are still there. Irrelevant. But yeah, why they let him go back in without testing, I don't know. That part really bothered me, but... He walks in the house at 9 o'clock. At 9.03, the FBI receives a phone call from her. He states, listen, my friend told me he saw a poster of me on the, at the post office, and I'm wanted for kidnapping in Reno. And the FBI agent on the phone says, um, I don't know what you're talking about, bro. I, you, you're going to have to talk to, like, a field officer. Like, he literally looked up the FBI headquarters secretary phone number and called them. Like, they all, they don't have computers right now. Why is this real life? I don't know. Why would they not? I don't know. So, she says, you're going to have to, you're going to have to talk to a, a field agent. He said, well, all right, can I leave you my information and you pass it off? So, he gives his real name, his real phone number, and his real address and says, can you have a, a field officer call me, please? So, Herb tells the girls at this point, you don't have to worry anymore. FBI's found us. They've got us. And says that, um, here's the plan. You can take off all your clothes right now and give them to me so I can go wash off my fingerprints. And, um, fingerprints are not. Yeah, I know. He's, I know. He's, meanwhile, the police and FBI are now, have now surrounded the trailer because now they know for 100% sure there are two girls in there. Two officers walk up, 
knock on the door. And Herb, we want to talk to you. Come out here so we can have a chat. And Herb says, nope. Yells through the door, nope, nope, don't want to do that. Call me on my phone. Fine. Hostage negotiation. Why they let him walk back in, again, I don't know, but whatever. So the phone rings. Oh, so they say, he says, I want to talk to you on the phone. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, no, 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 no. You're trying to outsmart a crazy person. So the phone starts. You're crazy to, for a reason. Yeah, the phone starts to ring, and Herb turns off all the lights in the trailer like nobody's home. Wow. Okay. And doesn't pick up the phone. Just rings out. So it goes quiet in the dark for a minute. Then the phone starts ringing again. At this point, Herb walks to a window and yells outside to the FBI agent. What do I do? I don't know what to do. The phone keeps ringing. To which the FBI agent yells back, pick it up and talk to us. Like, McFly. You just... <laughs> None of our younger audience uh, will ever understand what that means. Just uh, uh, I have right actually now. typed in jackass. You told them to call you. Yeah. And, and now you don't. Yeah. He's, he's unraveled. Like, he's it, it, to the bumbling part. Like, yeah. he, it's stressful. So her picks up the phone because, you know, he told him to call and didn't answer. And then he asked him what to do. And they said to pick up the phone. He picks up the phone. And he says, there's FBI people at my door. Like, they don't know. They're the ones out there calling you, Herb. They're the FBI. You just told them to call you. Oh, my God. So he tells the agent on the phone, the girls are here in the trailer. But I'm really sick. And I need to go to the hospital right now. Right now. So at this point, FBI are done. Dunzo. Firm commercial. They've got for, firm confirmation. The girls are in there. They bust through the trailer. Every window is broken. People are pouring in windows, pouring in doors. Herb takes off running to the back of the apartment. Or not apartment. I wrote apartment. Back of the trailer. Quickly apprehended. He's cuffed, and a gun is held to his head. He tells him the girls are okay, which, no, no, they're not. No, they're not. No. No, no, no. But he's sick, and he's got to go to the hospital right now. And he also says, you know what? The old lady, the old women are in the back room, too, but I put them in plastic bags so there wouldn't be any messies for you to clean up. Messies. Oh, my God. That's, that's legitimately what he said. Quote, like, quote, for, quote, quote, wow. messies. Cool. So the agents unbarricade the room, find the girls alive, and they're rescued. While the other agents go to the back and find the bodies of Mob and Dottie and Mab. Mab is wrapped up in one trash bag. Dottie's wrapped up in three. Police take Herb to the police station, and on the way, he just starts telling them he had to kill Dottie and Mab. Um, everything he used to kill him can be found at the trailer. It's all there, but they fought him, and it they were just too hard to control. Four women were too much for him to handle. He had to kill him. He didn't have a choice. Those old women were going to be mean to him. <laughs> Are you... So he denies that, um, he continues to talk. He never shuts up. Um, never had any sexual contact with the girls. He never touched them, never laid a finger on them, never hair out of place. His reason why he did all this, he'll tell you. You want to know? You want to know why I did all this? You want to know why I kidnapped the girls? Why I killed the two old women? Why all this had to happen? No. I'll tell you why. No. There's too many bad things in the world. There's too many people smoking in casinos and drunk drivers. Just too much of it. And he repeats this logic to multiple different police officers. To multiple, like, this never changes. This is his reason why he had to do it all. Then, Herb's 
brain starts sparking. I wouldn't say firing all cylinders here, but starts sparking. He's got to befriend these cops. He, they, they got, they got to become buddies. You're not gonna arrest your buddies. So he tells him, "Listen, you know what? I know, I know, Officer So and So. You have. I just want you guys to know that she's literally touching our leg, touching my leg right now, I'm trying to convince now. me that she's innocent. Uh, what I is? I don't know. He says, "I know you." I know you have a you have a hard job. It's demanding. I know that. Still touching. Um, which is why I bagged up the old women so you didn't have to deal with the messies. I dealt with the messies for you. Because you're a good guy. This is all going on at the police station. I can't even. Kung Fu Carl needs to come back. I miss Kung Fu Carl days. So, I don't know. I don't know. Um, oh, so wish, the girls. I wish someone sent this a video. The girls are brought to the hospital. They've got some bruising, internal tearing, yeah. and damage, obviously, but they're alive. They're back with their family. You know what? I hate that. Oh, you know, she just got her fucking blood. No, no. no. The trauma that comes along with oh, that shit is oh, like. Yeah. Beyond, beyond. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. no. But they are alive. They did live through it. Yeah, and then suffer the consequences so, for something that was not their fault. Yeah. So three days later in court, Herb pleads guilty, pleads not guilty for four counts of kidnapping, two counts of murder. The judge asked him if he understood that he could get the death penalty for this if he decides to go to court and try it by saying not guilty. And he says, yeah, he knows that. June 23rd, 1987. Um... Next month, Clark County Justice Court in Las Vegas issues an arrest warrant for Herb under um, for the murder of Sheila, Sheila Joe Keister. Because the investigators in Los Angeles saw all this. Everybody knows these girls are missing. It's been all on paper. They noticed a few similarities in the case. So they did some digging, did some police work. They got professionals involved. And you, you know those bite marks all over her body? Perfect match to the cast of Herb's bite. So now he's he's got the charges he's facing in California, four counts of kidnapping, two counts of murder, and he's also facing first-degree murder, sexual assault, and kidnapping in Las Vegas as well. So the noose is tightened. Was the death penalty We're gonna get there. available? Yes, it was. Pre-trial defense moves to throw out all the evidence that was gathered at the trailer. None of it can be admissible in court because the FBI did not have a search warrant. However... It was admitted because there was probable cause for them to go in due yeah. to the danger to the girls. And the DA then tells the judge, you know what? Herb can't get a fair trial here. It's too small of an area. Everybody knows it's contaminated. But the defense refuses. They don't want the trial to be moved. Right. Basically, they know they're going to get a guilty. They're just trying to set up appeals later down the road. March 4th. Um, I'm not going to go through the whole trial. Um, March 4th. The decision is made to move the trial 50 miles away. And, you know, while Herb is bat crap crazy and a monster, I do want to read you this statement he said before the trial. He said, they're going to spend millions prosecuting me. My God, if they just spent a little money trying to help me, none of this would have happened. These people should have seen that I was in trouble and under pressure. Now, I've got two, two sides of this statement. On the one hand, he obviously had some ticks and issues. He obviously needed mental help. He was obviously deteriorating. So, yeah, he did need help. But on the other hand, 
It's still the, oh, poor me, I'm a victim card. My thing is, like, based solely on that statement alone. Mm hmm He knew he needed help. Oh, yeah. And he's... And, no, listen, didn't seek it. It's not his fault, though. But You should have seen it, Lisa. But that's what I'm saying. You should have seen that's it. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's not other people's responsibility. It's not poor Herbie's fault. You're you're mocking me. No, I'm mocking him. Yeah, and I'm just saying, like, you can't be of sound mind, make a statement like that, and and believe it to be true. No, and he is. You already saying... knew. Yeah, oh, there yeah. was something wrong with you. But he is diagnosed with multiple mental disorders, anti-personality, borderline personality, like split personality. He's got all. He's got the gamut of it. So he probably did well need mental fine. help, but he was but functioning. Normal, normal people, yeah, aren't going to like. Yeah, I mean, how many cases have we talked about where there's red flags? Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I'm sure there were maybe a couple of red flags with him, but not. But on an to interpersonal that extent, level, like with Kelly Clough, yeah, or his obsession with um, Candace Smith's daughter. Besides that, he he was a professional gambler. He was good at it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Very, very much under the radar. Yeah, I'm, oh yeah. I'm just simply saying. He was smart enough to He didn't even have enough fly. people around him. No. To say, hey man, your behavior is abnormal. Yeah, and, and truth be told, even if you were to say, this guy needs help, and you have someone committed, they can only hold you for what, 20. 70? Oh, I, I thought it was I like. I thought it was 24 to 48 hours. I don't know. It depends on who commits him to, though. That's true. He's an adult. He can walk right out. Right. And I don't know what the rules were back in the eighties. Yeah, and there's no there like there is no one person that's gonna help you. No. So defense concedes whole trial. They try to say if he's crazy or not. Go back and forth. All these professionals are in or out. All these things happen. Defense concedes that he did in fact kill the women. But it's because he's insane. So three different psychologists testify that he is crazy, basically. He's he's insane. Um, they discussed they um, his signs from the universe gave him, and it was his real belief that bad things would happen to him if he did not follow these messages from the universe. For example, if he saw the number 46 or 45, if those numbers came into his orbit, that meant go. You got to go. You got to do it or something bad's going to happen to you. On the flip side, the number 26 was a stop number from him. Got to stop, stop what you're doing, cease and desist now, or things are going to happen. But he thought these messages were to him from God, and he thought he had to do these things. Herb stated that he didn't question the messages because they were from God. Who questions God, your honor? And all three of these shrinks testified he was insane, but he was sane enough to stand trial. Here's, the, here's, here's something I find interesting. You want to follow that logic? Fine. 26 was your stop number, right? 26 meant stop. Right. 26 came into your orbit. You stopped. That's get weird. What's 14 plus 12? So if you live by these numbers, Herb really? or Bloomfield or whatever, and 26, if you if 26 comes into your orbit, that means stop. Why the heck did you continue? Because 26 meant stop, and 14 plus 12 is 26. Yeah. Neither here nor there. Just try to piss me off. Um, anyway. January twenty, January twentieth, two 
1989, Herb is found guilty. And the judge stated Mr. Cottingham's conduct was probably the most evil he had ever been involved in. The DA stated that there's only one way to deal with animals like him. His crimes are so evil and depraved, he needs to be put down. Herb attempts multiple appeals. If, if you're found guilty, you have to before sentencing. Multiple yep. appeals, all denied. He uh, tried a final appeal saying that his sanity should have been allowed in court for the jury to bear witness to. And the judge does agree with that point. That his sanity should have been able to be discussed in front of the jury for them to decide if that was the factor. However, the amount of premeditation, soundproof room, using tent plates, etc., makes your claim of insanity invalid. So his final appeal is denied. The California Supreme Justices, uh, July 30th, are split uh, five to two. Five say death penalty, two say no. Um, but basically, in the end, it's, it's, it's agreed death penalty. Mab's son, which I put this in for you, Lisa, is uh, asked a question during all this mayhem and asked what he thinks the judgment should be, what the, what the um, sentencing should be. And he says, me? How would I punish him? Give me four to six months alone with him. You have to stop these sort of genes from spreading. Whether the evil's in the genes or in the soul, I don't know, but it needs to end. Give them to me for four to six months. I'll take care of your problem. You don't have to sentence them. Oh. Sign the petition. Yes. Release them to the public. Hell yeah. Basically. So um, he is sentenced to death, uh, unfortunately. Current day, Mr. Cottingham is still in prison right now. Of course death he row. is. Um, I did a lot. Like, I spent multiple. You said 87, dude. Yeah, he's still in here. Old bastard. I'll put his picture up. Um, 87. 87. Yeah. He was when this happened. But he was like 20. It's or 20, 20. It doesn't matter. 20, 23. Yeah, but you have to think about it. I was born in 84. My parents were in their 20s when they had me, so they're like our parents' age. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that he oh, is he's still alive. on yeah. death row. Yeah. But you know what? Fucking... Good, good. Let him sit in a little cell where people tell him what to eat, when to eat, when to exercise. Because no, he's you on... know what? Every month, pull off a fingernail. I heard, I heard one podcast that I listened to on this said, I hope he's in a rape room. I hope he's not isolated. I hope he's in a rape room. And, you know, eye for an eye is all I got to say on that one. Um, the end. <laughs> I did do a lot, a lot of digging, trying to find out anything on Mon, uh, Monica and Alicia because I like to, you know, where are they now? What, what yeah, happened to these them? These people right? probably just disappeared off the face of the planet. Don't for the most part, it. yeah. For the most part, they, they came out in two thousand three. Came out out in public, um, and spoke to the press. Uh, basically, and I'm a, I'm gonna tell you, I'm I'm gonna be triggered in a minute, and I'm probably gonna get up on a soapbox. So just bear with me. <sighs> um, there was another very famous kidnapping at this point in 2003. And the newscasters, and now we've got internet trolls at this time, are all up in a, you know, half of them feel bad. But half of them just don't understand why Elizabeth Smart didn't just run away. Why didn't oh she try to get God. help? And apparently that brought a flood of feelings back into these women. They did an article um, where they interviewed and Monica stated... To say that she should have just called home, that she could have just ran away, is absolute bull. 
Felicia spoke directly to Emily in her article saying it's not about moving on and getting over it. It's about integrating and adjusting your life into it. Um, both encouraged her to take the time she needs to reacclimate herself. Both of them stated, and this is this is where I'm triggered. Both of the women talked about how after this 12 and 14 year old girl that lived through this, yeah. right? Um, talked about how they were taunted and harassed for years by classmates and acquaintances, throwing accusations at them, saying that they should have fought harder, they should have tried to get away. Like, it was their fault that they survived something that these idiots has absolutely no understanding of that a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old girl lived through. Yeah. But it's the their kids. fault. Why didn't you do something? Why didn't you yell more? The Why didn't kids. you fight more? Like, it's shut up. If you didn't live through it, you don't have no. I'm not going to push into it. I'm just going to keep moving. Any but, woman, ugh. man, or child that lives through something like that should be celebrated. Because, uh, no. you know what? It doesn't matter if you fought your ass off or you laid complacent. You survived. You survived that's it all that because matters. that's what you had to do. Yeah. That is the only time I can find any mention of Alicia ever sticking her head out of wherever she's hopefully living her best life at this point. Yeah. Monica uh, stuck her head out again. Um, she gave another statement or interview to the Terra News because an 18-year-old body was found dead in Reno, a girl. Um, and she spoke out vocally that advocating for people to be kind and understanding to this, this new victim's family, it, it brought it all back to her. This is her hometown, Reno, where she was from. Yeah. Brought it all back. Um, she shared her story. Let's herself be vulnerable. Um, and she states that she believes she survived for a reason, maybe to tell her story or just to offer support to other victims and families. The article ended with a quote, and it's a good one, and I want to share it, and then we can all be done with this forward tell. Um, they interviewed Monica, talked about the, the new body, and she, you know, told her story, what happened, and just sharing, you know, you've got to help, the, the town of Reno has to help surround this family. You have no idea what they're about to live through. Because she watched her family crumble, I'm sure. Yeah. They let her go to that modeling. There's always self-blame when something happens, even though it's not oh, your absolutely, fault. Absolutely. Predators are going to be prey. predators, and they're yeah. going to find prey. Um, but this quote I thought was really, really, really good. So I'm, I, I want to end it with that. Um, it said, either way, she, Monica Burge, is proof of one important fact. Kidnapped children do come home, and monsters do not always win. And that's literally the only thing that I can find on either of them. If Monica pokes her head out anytime there's an assault around her to advocate for the person who was assaulted, try to fight off the people that are going to, she knows, inevitably attack them for it being the child's fault. I mean, you're looking at people, two children whose faces were plastered all over. Oh, the all over the newspaper. And all over, everywhere. All they want to do now is move on. And I hope they, and I they, hope they both live like, their best life. Yeah. They don't want to relive their story day in and day out. No. But I think the fact that when the fact they that see a victim yep. being bullied, they say, you know what? Our privacy is not that important. I'm going to step out. After everything they've already lived through, kudos. I mean, literally. Yeah. I, I, I'd be a hollow shell of a human. Oh. And no. people, all of them. Yeah. They're so willing to step out in their Yeah. 
Not a lot of people do that. Most people. No, because they've already they've already had their trauma. Yeah. Let me let me just. Let me. Let, I mean, I searched. Let me alone. I searched every way I could, and I couldn't find. I couldn't even find a picture of them recently. Which you know what? I'm fine with. I'm fine Good. with. They they deserve their privacy. They Good. deserve their respect. I hope I hope they have fulfilling, amazing lives, and and that's probably all they want. I yeah. just want to live. Yeah, this traumatic thing happened. Mm-hmm. I'm done with it. I've moved on from it. You move on from it. But the fact that a holes in their life could question if what why I'm not going to do it again. Anyway, it's because nobody nobody knows what mind really, business. Nobody's really going to know what you're doing in a situation like that till you're in. No, and that's what, you know, like that. and both and like, of them spoke out, like, but I just took the my favorite pieces of the article when they spoke out about Elizabeth Smart, but she, they both said, you know, it's not a clear cut, like, you're thinking like a rational adult. Number one, we weren't. We were children. Yeah. Number two, it's not a rational situation. No. It's not a situation you're prepared for. No. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing greatly off of memory of this article, but they are both like, it's not. You're not thinking. You're and just you thinking. Still, like, what? As a, what? As like, a human being. Yeah. Like you're still hoping against humanity that this person has a decent piece of them, and, and not a for lot no- of people don't like recognize that. Like you, not for nothing. They just watched him kill two women. What's gonna happen to me? Well, I gotta be good because both of those women were fighting back. Both of those women wouldn't shut their mouths. So I'm going to be quiet, I'm going to be compliant, and if I have to suffer through your mouth on me, they were children. They didn't know any better. Hell no. That... So, anyway, that's my story. I have so much to say, but we're out of time. Which is oh, terrible yeah, much. we've been out of time for a while. <clears throat> I just wanted to show, and there's so much speculation on what mental disorder Herb had. He, like I said, he was diagnosed with all kinds of things. You can look it up. I honestly didn't feel like giving him any kind of crutch because he's the victim. Poor little Herbie. Um, and this is, this right here is the, the prime argument that you and I get into. Yeah. So I have to leave it here because I know that we're just gonna... He deserves death penalty. We're gonna yell at each other. I will 100% pull the trigger. Fire up old Sparky, do whatever you want. I, you... But again. But how bad A was her stepdad? Dude. I love her stepdad. I would. He tracked down the car in another city. He I got would. a Rolodex and just started making calls, left the busted A door to that office, and then got his brother-in-law said, get in, we're going we're going to hunting. And I, the, only, the only way that would have made it any better is if he pulled up the trailer. Yeah, yeah. Busted down the door and shot him in the face. Yeah, it's uh, seriously. He reminds me of the guy, the dad from Canal Minds. You got two legs. I got one, one question. question. Where's my After daughter? He already shot a woman. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. You got. Yeah. He did. He did the first shot. There, so. there is no mercy here. No, there shouldn't be. So <sighs> anyway, anyway, that's the story. Was, that was a bit much. It was a bit much. It was brutal. But you know what? They suffered through it. So now you have to. You know what? It happens every day. I don't have the statistics, but I should have had it ready on how many children are assaulted every day, how many kidnaps are every day. And not all of them get to live a life afterwards. We know. We know. And a lot of us know. We, we, we watch all the TV programs of foster people and what happens. And not oh, yeah. everybody's bad, but some of them are. And it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. And all you know what? Mabs was a great lady. Yeah. Fantastic lady. 
And I am not saying either of these girls' parents did anything wrong. No, nobody. But the parents are like, oh, we've got plans. We're going to come to the photo shoot. Don't let your kids go places unless this was someone that would lay their life down for them, which Mabs tried. I'll give her that. Mabs tried. Mabs did. But guess what? There wasn't a man with them. Mabs played her with them. You think if there was a dad there looking him in the face, he'd have had the balls to do any of that? No, he needed weak women, old women, two old women and two young girls. Yeah, but that wasn't the first place he dropped. No. What, what could have happened in any of the other? That's a different story for a different night. That's my other the thing. I was a lunatic. Yeah, and he killed the girl and in Las he Vegas. he would have done, yeah, he a done anything to get what he wanted. He raped, strangled, and bitter. Yep. You're telling me those are the only three victims he's ever had? Probably not. No, but that's all we got, so. <sighs> I've taken up enough of your lives. I've tainted your minds. Guys, I really, this is the time I'd usually sit here and ramble and try to make you feel better about life's choices. But There's you know what? better. Dwell on it, marinate it, and do something about it. Do something about it. Speak out. So, uh... Sleep tight. Don't let the bed bugs bite. Have a good night. Bye. Bye.